filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They handle employment issues, including wrongful termination, wage disputes, discrimination, equal employment opportunity matters, and more. They also handle civil rights litigation, defamation, and general litigation. For a free consultation, visit EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. So I was, you know, I think I was in New Orleans last week. I was in New Orleans yesterday. I don't know where I've been the last month and a half. I feel like I maybe slept a total of about like eight hours um, with all this soccer travel. Um, and, it, and last week wasn't even soccer. It was just New Orleans, which is my one of my favorite cities in the world. If you if you guys haven't been, like everything there is great. The food's great. People are great. It, the humidity sucks. Love New Orleans. Yeah. The humidity last week, I swear, like today, today was so hot, but for me it felt cool because of how humid it was in New Orleans. I, I don't understand <laughs> how humidity forms that way. The only place I've been that's more humid is Miami, but and that's why I moved from Miami because uh, <laughs> I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> but, but it was all, it was a lot of – I mean this whole travel thing has just been like I, I, I don't know what to do with myself now that I have a week where I don't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think sleep is the answer. That, I I got like four hours of sleep last night, and I woke up so refreshed. Um, <laughs> it's it's practice like, for the future when there may be a Donald Wine the Third. You're gonna need to work on I, very little sleep. I'm pretty sure I have like a decade's worth of like sleep to prepare for that. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Jason, uh, did you sleep last night with the fireworks and everything? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty normal. That's good. I did very unremarkable. My neighborhood, my neighborhood <laughs> loves fireworks, and not so much fireworks as yeah. concussive air ordinance uh, that they will just launch oh, over wait. your house. And it's just, it's. I don't think there's much in the way of colorful trails in the sky. It's just a very loud boom that hits with such force that the floors in your house shake when it goes off. I mean, it's the people around unbelievable. here. The thing is, the people around here love their standard like phantom fireworks fireworks um except like they don't do it on their own it's almost like there's a coordinated effort to wander around and like have one one house do it at a time Mm -hmm. so it's not like one hour of solid neighborhood fireworks there's because i'm close enough to the water you can hear annapolis's fireworks Mm -hmm. and then people in the neighborhood wait for that to end and then they start their own fireworks um but it's never just like one house it's like one house does theirs and then the next house goes off and then the third like something went off at like twelve twenty two. um but on the plus I would, side I would be happy if it stopped at half past midnight <laughs> that was that one that one was random there was like a good 45 minute gap and then someone oh. else was like hold on we got some more yeah um, that wasn't the case but, here but so I my was neighborhood like, loves fireworks and i'm pretty sure like in they build up in the days before the 4th of July, and there's always a few left over. Like, they'll find some that they forgot they had uh, in the backseat of their car, and they'll, they'll set them off for the next week just randomly. So if there's a very loud boom and it sounds like uh, I'm dying, uh, it very well could be because a firework went through my window and killed me. So from my vantage point, the, uh, I, I, in DuPont, I can go on my roof and I can see basically fireworks all the way around yeah. the area. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I wasn't there. I was flying last night, so I'm not sure if Fairfax once again ex- uh, exercised its ability to uh, have a bunch of fu money 
um, and have fireworks for seven hours like they normally do. Like I remember, <laughs> like four years ago, they had the re- when we had or back when we had the recession, they had the like the main fireworks in the mall were like maybe twenty minutes long because like we don't have any money. Fairfax was going off from about four p.m. till about <laughs> one, and like everybody was like, "How are they?" Like they they were just talking. It wasn't like small like oh firework here, firework there. It looked like the malls, except it was over Fairfax. I don't know how like how much money they got this year, and I think probably because the clouds, you probably couldn't see it. But I bet you that block was hot all night long. <laughs> and you're probably glad you don't live there. Well, I'm glad I don't live there for different reasons. I know people who <laughs> like Fairfax who live there who love it. It's not for me. Anyway, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. We've got Jason Anderson and Donald Wine II with us tonight. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where you can find us writing about DC United, the U.S. national teams, and lots more. Tonight, we are talking all DC United all the time. The Black and Red pulled off a a draw at the death in Salt Lake over the weekend, one-to-one with RSL. We're going to talk about that. We are now officially exactly halfway through the MLS season, and we're going to do a little mid-season review. We're also going to preview DC United's trip this weekend to Philadelphia to face the Union. That'll be Saturday night, 7 p.m. on News Channel 8 or whatever local Sinclair station you have in your area. Before we do anything, though, Donald, what are you drinking? Uh, so, well, the answer, if you... if uh, if you know where I was this weekend was New Orleans. The answer is a lot, um, but uh, tonight uh, I'm I'm focusing on one drink. I'm trying to taper off of this little ride I've been on. Uh, so I'm going with uh, a local favorite of mine um, from back home in Detroit. It's from Two James Distillery. It's actually really really good. It's called Johnny Smoking Gun Whiskey. It's phenomenal. It's a very new brand brand new distillery that opened maybe about a year ago uh, and has been kicking ass um, since it opened. So. If you're in Detroit, it's in Corktown. Check it out. They got a bunch of gins. They got some vodkas. They got uh, a couple of whiskeys, um, and all are fantastic. So I'm going with the whiskey tonight. Cool. Jason? Uh, I can't remember if I've had this on here before or not. Um, I'm going to go ahead and assume that I haven't because my mind is not completely good at remembering everything. That happens to me, so um, I'm really good at remembering things while I'm drunk, but I'm terrible at this is remembering my life while sober. Um, I tweet everything. But, uh, yeah, ev- literally everything. <laughs> um, but I, I made myself uh, a Mexican mule. Uh, it's a Moscow mule with tequila. Um, I chose uh, Cazadores Reposado, um, topped it off with uh, Gosling's ginger beer. I did, now that I'm saying these things, I did do this on the show recently. Yes, you did. Um, you did. But uh, <laughs> like this, this time, <laughs> this one's a little different. Um, yeah, not even this season, like within the last month. Um, you just need, you just need the buzzword like yeah the ginger beer is what did it because I bought a different yeah. kind of ginger beer um, <laughs> buzzword but, uh, ginger beer uh, this time I added uh, a single slice of jalapeno muddled that in the bottom with mm. um, the lime juice um, I use less simple syrup because the ginger beer itself is very sugary um, so the recipe I saw before that said use simple syrup I don't know what they were going for they're they're people that have too much sweetness in their life I guess um, yeah. But uh, it turned out well. The the jalapeno just gives just enough of a kick. It's just a little bit at the end. It's it's pretty good. Um, it's a nice refreshing drink after a day that has been very hot, very humid. Uh, as anyone in this region, if you're not in this region, uh, if you're not in the capital region, uh, basically we got like full on like the the depths of summer uh, hit today, starting today, and they'll actually get worse apparently as the days go on. Yeah, welcome to heat wave. The real first heat wave of 
of the year. Uh, I got a drink recommendation. I've been putting out requests for good rum recipes because DC United keeps not losing when I drink rum. And so this is the bet I've made, and now I have to lie in it. And it's really not comfortable for me. Uh, so uh, my buddy Josh, who is a listener, um, gave me a recommendation for something called MacArthur, which is a cocktail that uh, is is rum and ice and uh, egg, basically, egg white and triple sec. Uh, and you shake it all together and it's an old school cocktail and it's fizzy and it's, you know, it's rum. It, <laughs> it has an old school name, too. Like calling it the MacArthur makes me think, yeah, that might have an egg white in it because that's yeah. like an that's already kind of an old timey thing to do. Um, so yeah, it makes it kind of makes sense. I don't know uh, which MacArthur we're talking about. Yeah, um, but it doesn't matter. Do They're all no. figures from the past. There are no MacArthur's currently in existence. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> Other than recipients of the MacArthur Genius Grants, right. um, do, they, do they make you change your name? They do, in fact. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, I think it's better than most rum drinks I've had. It's certainly better than the devil concoction I made last week. That said, <laughs> I will only be drinking one of these tonight. I'm not going to have a second one. That out of the way, let's get to soccer. Jared Jeffrey scored an extra time after Bill Hamid's seven mostly ridiculous saves kept United in the game. Black and red stole a point from RSL, leaving Utah with a 1-1 draw. Brito Martinez scoring for the Clarendon Cobalt in that one. Donald, Bill Hamid is amazing. Yes. Um, I, I, this, is, this is the part where I tell you guys that um, all seven saves should have been nominated for save of the week. I, I dare you to give me a good reason why any other goalkeeper uh, should have been nominated. Because um, there are eight slots. Okay, so <laughs> give it to you. Can you, one of them you know was what? a double save. No, there was a double save, and then he had the Neuer save, which I don't think even registered as a save because he came out of the eighteen. So we'll throw that one in there too. There's your eight done. <laughs> Nobody else needs to talk to me about why you know any other goalkeeper had a good save because they didn't. All seven of them should win, and that double save probably. I actually. I like the double save. I think that was the best save of the week. But the most important one was the one he did right before the counter that led to the corner that led to the goal. That was yeah, the most important right. one of the year. You, you mentioned goal of the week. Right now, Bill Hamid losing something like forty, no, thirty six percent to sixty four percent to Tim Howard making a a good save, but not a ridiculous save that you're like, how did he do that? It's a save that Bill Hamid made three different times in this game, and none of them was as good as the double save, which is the one that's nominated. So Tim Howard kind of, uh, I mean, it's save of the week voting. It doesn't matter. But Tim of the, uh, Tim Howard is kind of skating by on, on his name, I feel like, Bill, on that one. I mean, he, he was stopped, He stopped the shot with his baby toe. Like, we, guys, oh, his baby toe. Stop the ball from going in the net. Give that man the, the, just, I hate people sometimes. <laughs> you know, and the thing is, like normally we would be upset because this is like if if this were Tim Howard making the save for Seattle or Portland, we would assume that there was some sort of ballot stuffing going on. Uh, this is the Colorado Rapids, so this is not. I mean, there's like there are a handful of people that care enough about the Rapids to bother voting, but this is not that team supporters overwhelming the voting interface. This is everyone else is like, oh, it's Tim Howard. Yeah, it, he's Tim Howard him. today. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tim Howard could be a fine. He could do basically nothing. This, this is year. why the Rapids and, and signed still him, get by the way. votes for goalkeeper of the year at the end of the year. Maybe. Coming in 
playing half the season get, and being probably Tim Howard. in the All Star team too. While we're talking, <laughs> oh yeah. If nothing else, he'll be Don Garber's selection. Yeah. Uh, this is no diss to Timmy. I love no, Timmy. We love Timmy. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not Wait, a criticism of him. Stop him with his baby. It's toe. just a regular <laughs> save. It's it's not a big deal. Like the fact that it was nominated is just because they didn't nominate more Hamid saves. Yes. Right. So let's talk about Jared Jeffrey. He got the game winner on this one. It's kind of been a long time coming for him. Um, struggled last year to get on the field, got on the field more this year and, and came on. And as soon as he came on for Nick DeLeon, I think, um, in this one, the, the general vibe, uh, following on Twitter and in our match thread, uh, was that United were, were giving up. They weren't going to score a goal with Jared Jeffrey on the field. And it turned out that he's the one that scored the goal. Um, so good for, good for Jared Jeffrey. Um, less good of a night for Bobby Boswell. Yeah. Who, who got skinned three different times by Burrito Martinez, by Yuromov Sissi and he, Jason, he was doing by Joel Plata. By Joel Plata. Don't, don't forget that Plata nutmeg Bobby Boswell. In, yeah, that's right. In, Really, we only got out of it because Hamid saw what was going to happen and came out and claimed the nutmeg itself. Yeah. So I guess it's not, it's not technically a nutmeg because Plata didn't get another touch. He right. put the ball between, well, he, but he, he didn't was, collect he was, it. Like if he had passed it to someone, I, it would be considered a nutmeg. I, I personally don't consider it a nutmeg unless you do something beyond it. Like if you play the ball between someone's, le- someone's legs and they still end up with the ball, then you didn't accomplish anything. Yeah, that's true. Gotta be, there's got to be a point to it. Someone um, on your team has to touch the ball at the end of it. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, he did a traffic cone impression out there. Uh, he struggled, and RSL deserves some credit. Um, and I think after the game, the first the first person to give them credit uh, on DC United side was Ben Olsen saying that he had been outcoached. Uh, he didn't say it exactly like that, but, you know, that's what he was trying to get at. Um, he said that, you know, the the struggles that United had were on were on him. Um and I think it came down to RSL being really clever about exposing Boswell. Um, they didn't. I, I'm, it's interesting because I thought what they were going to do is key on uh, Marcelo in the in the new formation. New England didn't do it. I thought that RSL was going to say let's key on Marcelo and force turnovers by just pressuring him more than usual. Um, and instead, they said let's just take care of our own business, uh, breaking from the middle third into the attacking third, and they did that really, really well. Um, and they used that, that movement off the ball, uh, the cleverness of the players and, and obviously the dribbling ability that they've got on both sides with, uh, Martinez and with Plata to get at Boswell as often as possible. Um, and, and that, that brings you, that leaves you with a pretty fluid attack to deal with for everyone to deal with. It's not just Boswell alone. I mean, the, the whole team was struggling to prevent that from happening because, I mean, let's face it, every team in the league knows that Boswell is good at certain kinds of defending, but he's not going to be very good if you get him one-on-one against a quick player uh, with, with quick feet. It's it's That's what he doesn't want to be dealing with. Um, so, you know, the fact that RSL was able to expose that so often, we don't see it exposed that often, um, is a big credit to them. It was just that, you know, as good as they were getting into the box with the ball, it just so happened that inside the box, DC United had the human cheat code uh, in Bill Hameen and just re- refusing to allow any of these dangerous opportunities to turn into a goal. Um, and it's, it's, you know, unfortunately for United, it means that teams have been given an example of what you can do, like how you can make this happen. Um, fortunately, you know, not to spoil the next segment, but you, the union do not have that level of 
dribbling, dribbling ability on both flanks, but they do have some quality out there, especially if Ilsenio plays. So it's something United has to fix this week. Um, they have to prevent that exposure from happening because uh, on another night, if or if Bill Hamid is not at you know a 12 out of 10 for the night, um, United doesn't come home with a point. Jared Jeffries' goal is a, you know, it feels nice for him, but, you know, you're coming home looking at 2-1 or 3-1 loss. So um, they've got to fix that straight away. And it, it's not something where you say Bobby Boswell play better, um, though, I mean, you do say that, and you don't even have to really tell him at this point in his career. But the whole team's structure needs to be smarter, and you need to prevent uh, those angles from popping up because the union play their four, two, three, one and RSL's four, three, three don't really look that different. You know, they, you've still got an attacking midfielder in front of two holding midfielders. You still have got two wide attacking players. Um, we know Pontius wants to cut inside to get onto his right foot. And that um, puts him right on top of Boswell. Right. So, um, you know, that's, uh, that's the, probably the number one thing at training this week is to make sure that this new formation, uh, that the players understand that structure better. Um, you know, we kind of, we caught new England off guard and they never did anything about it. And that's great. But now teams know that it's coming. And Olson even said in the post today that, you know, they're still working with that. So it's not like the formation was a one week and they're like, well, we'll try it again this week and see what happens. I think, you know, the, the idea is to play a few weeks in it and, and see where it takes you. Um, and I think it's a promising direction. It's just that the defensive side has to be better because we cannot – we're not going to see this team go very far if it's Bill Hamid, please be amazing every single week. It can't be that to that degree. And he's going to be awesome, but we can't say this is all we got. You know, there's got to be yeah. something more to it. We yeah, help. Once, once we had the ball, we weren't that great either. Outshot 20 to 12, we only put two – shots on target lost the possession battle 57 43 which i think is less important but allowed five big chances one of which was converted um bill hamid is the reason rsl had an otherwise criminal four big chances missed in this game but the 4141 was i think probably better than the 442 would have been but it still was not as good as it was against new england and i actually think bobby boswell was a big part of that too Last week against New England, we had Opare and, and Jalen Robinson in the back, both of whom are very comfortable on the ball and very good passing, like above average passers but, at the very least for center backs. And they Bobby played Boswell, that way too. Yeah, yeah. And we played like that. And it was wonderful. That's I think those two are the biggest, like those two in the extra man in midfield are why that formation worked. Bobby Boswell doesn't work if we want to keep the ball. He's just not an accurate enough passer on the ground. He's not an accurate passer over distance. He is easy to, you know, kind of turn into, you know, kind of a chicken with his head cut off when he's under pressure. He doesn't, he's very good at defending kind of old school teams, but when it comes to any, and he's a smart player, he reads the game well. Um, But when we have the ball, I think he, he was a liability in this one too. And I said this once before this season, and this is the second time uh, Bobby Boswell has had a game that left me saying I would really rather not see him on the field next week. Well, and, and I think that the issue here, it's not so much technical ability, it's is the way he makes decisions. Um, and I think it comes from his prime years as a player really learning this league came under Dominic Kinnear playing a system that was based on risk avoidance. Um, Boswell's decision-making process involves finding a low risk pass quickly um, mm-hmm. as a center back. If he's under pressure, he thinks upfield to a target man or, and, and the next yes. decision is 
upfield to the wings to no one. And the third decision is out of bounds. The fourth decision is give up a corner. Um, he does not look for the quick pass to somebody else. He doesn't have the composure on the ball to pull it off a lot of times, but also it's not even on the table for him. Um, he, you know, and it's sort of a, it's sort of a throwback thing. Um, we see a lot of center backs now, um, keeping their spots in part because of their ability to play the ball. I mean, in Columbus, they actually, part of the reason they like Steve Clark is because he's a good goalkeeper on the ball. Um, right. so the emphasis on keeping the ball, he's too in, comfortable on the ball, as we saw in the, the MLS yeah, Cup final, yeah. but, but teams are willing to take that risk for what they gain in possession. And, um, you know, earlier in this season, I, you know, we brought this up before whether Kofi Opari was going to push ahead of Boswell. And earlier this season, I said, I didn't think it was going to happen this year. Um, maybe towards the end, it might get close. Um, and then Opari's first couple appearances this season weren't very good. Right. Uh, but, but when Steve Birnbaum was gone and Opari knew, like, this wasn't just like you're filling in for a game and that's it. This was, you're the guy for like a month. Um, he really responded with flying colors. Um, and I don't think I'm not saying that Boswell's about to get dropped. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think that gap is a lot closer than it was, and I think there should be at least consideration for it because if you want to play a formation that emphasizes the central midfield triangle and keeping the ball more often, um, you've got to look at that because teams know full well that if DC comes out trying to keep the ball more than they have the reputation of doing, and then you say, okay, who which player is going to punt it long? more quickly than anyone else, you know, it's going to be Boswell. Um, and so you design your pressures around that. You tell from your forward down, you say, this is the way we want to send them. You know, every time they've, they're passing the ball around the back, we want to shepherd them to Boswell and then close in. And then he'll go along. We try and, you know, we try and win the header. Um, and hopefully we keep them from ever getting anything going. Um, so that's something that's, that's now got to be considered. Um, and it's not like Opare is elite, on the, on the ball as a center back, but he is a step in the right direction for that. And it also, it does add to the appeal that he's not going to be, he, he's not so lacking in agility that when teams sell out to get him one-on-one, it's not the guarantee of success that it was this week for RSL against Boswell. Um, so that's got to be something the team is considering for, for the time being. I don't think it's about to happen, but I would hope that it's not completely 100% off the table either. Yeah. And, I think that's, I think honestly, Boswell and his propensity to not just find a guy in the mid, midfield to get the ball yep. to when he's in trouble is a big part of why the midfield didn't look great in this one. We, they didn't get on the ball enough because. Well, and the thing is, I think. RSL would pressure, pressure the back line and then they couldn't get it into the midfield, let alone into a spot where they could do anything with it. And, and I don't want to come across as too. Negative. I think United's passing accuracy was still like 74, 75, 79, 79. Okay. So it was even higher than I, than I had in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for this team. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. And RSL deserves some credit for, you know, making sure that that percentage still led to United not really mounting too many attacks, um, especially after the first 10 or 15 minutes. Um, that, that period from about the 15th minute to the, to halftime was pretty much constantly being under the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's not like they were that bad. This isn't a game where they had like 65%. This isn't the Red Bulls playoff game, the the second leg where it was like, this is just soul crushing to see them, you know, not connect more than two passes in a row for like half an hour. Um, 
But there is something to be said for the structure of the team and learning where to be in those situations where Boswell's under token pressure. Where's the player? Where's his outlet pass? Who's getting into the right spot for him? Um, whose responsibility is that in certain situations? And that's something that's going to take time. Um, that's why that's why you don't see teams change formation that often. That's why you see teams that do change formation a lot. They tend to not be doing that well. Um, they tend to be struggling. Uh, a lot of the teams in the East this year have been a little less certain about their formation, and it's part of the problem for them. Um, so that's something that has to be developed, too, is it's not just going to be Boswell. We're not looking at Boswell exclusively. It's about the other players, especially uh, Marcelo and De Leon in this formation, checking into spots where they can receive the ball from him in a safe manner, where it's, it's not asking him to complete an excellent pass. It's a simple pass where he just has to get his head up and spot the man and play it to his feet, and you know, you're out of trouble at that point. Uh, but that's going to take work, um, and there's no, there's no real replacement for it. It's good that they're not playing back-to-back games. You know, it's not a midweek situation. Those mm-hmm. extra days on the training ground right now really mean a lot. If you're going to change formations, it's it's much harder to do when you don't have time to spend in training showing the players exactly what you want out of them and where they're supposed to be and breaking film down and saying this is how it should be. Because you literally you run out of time. You can't keep the players there for six hours a day um, without having a mutiny on your hands. Not a Tampa <laughs> Bay mutiny. A Peter Novak mutiny. Yeah. Uh, to end this conversation on on a happier note last time i called for boswell to get benched he came out and had his best game of the year so hopefully we'll see something like that in philadelphia and to end this whole segment on uh, a nice note uh nick de Leon's hair was a plus in this game oh man it was so good donald frizzy his and, hair was so good frizzy and spectacular <laughs> and the sides were shaved it was like it was like something out of the 80s i saw uh he looked like an 80s pop star uh, or someone who, who was an extra at, at an Eddie Murphy or Charlie Murphy party. Oh, it was definitely a Charlie Murphy party. He, <laughs> that man. He was the small forward in the, in the game of basketball against Prince, <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. Now, this is, this is the guy that, that arrived at the party when Eddie is leaving. Um, yeah. Because yeah. that was the whole thing is that Eddie ended up leaving. He's like, all right, this is out of hand. I'm going to go. And Charlie was like, no, this is my time. Yeah, um, <laughs> and Nick DeLeon was now. there. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it looked to me, and, and I'm saying this as somebody who very recently cut his hair down very short for survival reasons in the summertime. It looked like Fair someone you. saying, "Like it's too hot, man. I got to do something about this." And so he did something. I, I, need, immediately. I need the length, but I need something less warm. It's like too. I don't want to go complete. I did that before. I didn't like it, but I'm going to cut something down. And so you know, he gave himself some vents, basically. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a perfect word for it. It is. That's Vince. right. It's like the vents on the side of, uh, of, a, of a Nike jersey. That he just put a little, that's all yeah. he did. Just vented his haircut. Get some, get some circulation. <laughs> uh, and now that we've solved the important uh, wording issue around Nick DeLeon's hair, we're going to take a quick break. Stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red, Black and Red United podcast. Hey Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? 
because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. It's time for DC United's midterm grades. Uh, we're not going to do the the A, B, C grade scale. We're just going to say uh, the somehow even more cliched win, lose, or draw for each position, not each player, each position as a whole um, on the field for DC United. We're doing this because we're now 17 games into a 34-game season, so... Why not? Uh, so let's start at the back. Goalkeeper, uh, Travis Wara played very well, I thought. Uh, to start the year, Andrew Dykstra went down hurt uh, before that. And then Bill Hamid has come in and been Bill, Bill. freaking Hamid. Um, so I, I, I think I have to call the goalkeeper position a win. Donald? Win. That's it. That's all that needs to be said. <laughs> win. Uh, you, 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 win. Jason, goalkeeper. Uh, Huge blowout win. All right. Uh, We've got so many goalkeepers, we can't even give them all it's time. It's true. That's true. Right. We, we, we have, uh, beyond Travis War, we have Charlie Horton on loan with uh, the Richmond Kickers. We have... A U.S. Uh, under 23. Tally, yeah. U.S. under 23 <laughs> international, by the way. We have Tally Hall just kind of hanging out. Who's... Tally Hall, the last time he was playing, was like quietly among the top, like top half goalkeepers in MLS yeah. as a starter. Yeah, and, and then he, he got even hurt and nobody wanted to us. touch him. It's weird. Uh, yeah, he he came back and and got a contract with DC United. Um, who granted we're in a tough spot, but you'd think someone needs a goalkeeper right now, like someone who just watched their number one goalkeeper go down to an injury and doesn't have a backup anybody outside of Toronto has ever heard of. They might be interested. And Tally Hall's number, true story. Tally Hall's number is not one or twenty nine or anything like. His number is literally trade bait. I actually know. <laughs> both of those goalkeepers in toronto i know who they are you're weird you're the only person outside of toronto (laughs) center back uh bobby boswell we talked about earlier he's mostly been pretty good this year not at the levels we've maybe been used to from him but generally good steve birnbaum you know got himself onto the copa america team uh kofi opare took advantage of his second opportunity of the year, which was good. And Jalen Robinson amazed us in his one opportunity this year. Jason, win, lose, or draw at center back? Uh, it's win. I mean, this team doesn't give up goals. There's a reason why, and it has to do with the whole defense. They're organized. They're smart. They're four deep now. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty easy call win. Donald? Yeah, I agree it's a win. Um, you know, I, I've loved the play uh, so far, not just from, you know, players like Birnbaum, who, as you said, played his way onto – really into the national fold uh, and was basically about to start until John Brooks became John F and Brooks at the uh, Copa America. But uh, I think in his absence, 
and when these guys are when one of these guys are down, the other guys step up immensely, uh, like Kofi Apare and uh, Jalen Robinson in his one appearance as well. So win for me. Yeah, center back might be I, I, I guess goalkeeper too, but center back is probably the the best field example of next man up on this team, and and it's a win easy. Uh, this one's a little more interesting call, I think. Fullback. Uh, we have Sean Franklin on the right, Taylor Kemp on the left, and uh, backup are, is the, the hurt Chris Korb and uh, Luke Mishu, and playing guys out of position. Donald, win, lose, or draw? This is tough. I think I'm going to go with a draw only because I, I think, you know, Franklin's been that, we, we talked about him before the season as that guy who's kind of. We're not going to hear. We're not going to say much about him. We're not going to say his name a lot, but it's because we know he's there. He's doing his job. Um, I think on the other side has been kind of erratic, um, but I also think the injuries have plagued us, um, and, and that has led to uh, us having some holes when we have to play guys out of position. So I'm not inclined to say it's a loss. I'm inclined to say it's a draw, only because I think it's more of an incomplete grade given all the injuries we've had. Yeah, I'm in, I'm inclined to agree. I'm I'm going with draw for this one. Um, I think Sean Franklin, there have been moments, especially when he's lined up against a real burner, just a real speed guy, mm-hmm. that he has trouble um, accounting for that speed. Joven Jones comes to mind, um, who looked like an MLS All-Star and not Joven Jones when Seattle were, were in D.C. So I, I'm inclined to go for a draw there as well. Jason? Uh, I'm going to go win. Uh, I mean... Like I said, the, the team is not giving up goals. Um, we're talking about one of the best defensive teams in MLS, and you know part of it is goalkeeping, part of it is a defense-first outlook on the game. But uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say it's as good as the goalkeepers or center backs. Uh, but I think Kemp and Franklin Kemp has stopped being so vulnerable to large, fast wingers, just being more physical with him and using that. Um, Franklin can get caught for speed from time to time, but he also, he's also had plenty of games where he's a solid, you know, 7 out of 10, um, where, you know, you say, you know, Franklin did a good job, nothing special, but it was fine. Um, and in in a defense-first team, that's important. So, uh, you know, it's not a blowout by any means, but, you know, I, I, I'm fairly pleased with them. I would like to see maybe uh, a little depth because they've both, Franklin and Kemp have both played so many minutes. Mm-hmm. Um that maybe adding one more depth piece because apparently Corb is nowhere. Uh, Corb's not about to come back in like two weeks. He's still a ways away. I think Olsen said today um, they're hoping that he plays sometime this year. So it's going to be a little while as far as that goes. So, you know, adding one more piece would be nice, but it's still a win in my book. Well, we do know that there's a natural left back in training right now. Um, I don't, he, he's out of contract. Um, we can say the name, right? He was spotted at training. Well, I we guess. think he was spotted at training. We've, and we, we've got like we've got circumstantial evidence that he was at okay. training. All right, so we'll 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 sit on the name for right now. But there there is an out of contract left back. Uh, I, I think you could even call him an attacking left back who we think was in training today as we record Tuesday, July fifth. So we'll see what pans out from that. I don't think he would start over Kemp, but. He could be some some good depth. Uh, let's go into the the central midfield where we now have three guys instead of two. Um, Nick DeLeon and Marcelo have played there all year. Jared Jeffrey has has gotten some minutes there too. And now the last two games, Lucho Acosta has dropped into that central midfield spot and and I think done 
uh, a pretty good job, all things considered, over two games. Jason, how do you rate this position? Uh, this one's tough. Um, I'm I'm tempted to say win because uh, they've kind of overachieved for what people expected coming into the season, but I feel like that. You know that add, that that takes expectation and gives it a little too much strength. So I'm going to say draw. Um, certainly, I would like to see a little more creativity in the middle um, with Lucho there. We might see that progress. Um, I've been pretty happy with Marcelo playing as a six and actually succeeding. Um, he didn't do that last year in Colorado, so um, he had to play that role a few times in Colorado, but it didn't work. Um, so that's you know that's progress on that front. Um, De Leon's coming in from the, the, the wing to play in the middle and that's been all right. I feel like the criticism of him has been a little too, it's been a little over the top. I think, um, it, it has cooled off in the last like month or so, but the idea that he's not constantly creating chances and constantly playing forward is, is a little bit much. I think he could do better in that department. Certainly. Um, there's no disputing that, but I think that people are looking for him to be, almost like a reliable source of like eight to 10 assists this season. And I don't think that was ever going to happen regardless of who played that role. Um, and we didn't put that, that on Davey Arnaud last year. We didn't say, why isn't he, you know, creating goal after goal. Um, and that's the, those are the roles, you know, that's, he's in Davey Arnaud's position. Um, so uh, with all that in mind, I would say draw at this point. Um, I do like that Jared Jeffrey has shown that he is uh, more of a factor than we thought he was going to be. Yeah, I I agree on every one, every count there. I I say draw. And on Nick DeLeon, he he hasn't been credited with any assists this year, but he's had a few secondary assists that I think should have been given that weren't including uh, against New England the first goal. He one touched a pass to Acosta who took two touches and crossed it to Nagel who volleyed it home. And and that should be a secondary assist to me. He put Acosta into space. Um, and two touches later, three touches of the ball later, it's in the net. Um, that, that's a secondary assist for me. And I, I think it's, it's wrong that he wasn't credited with that. And that's an argument people are making against him now is that he hasn't had any tangible production. And I think if you, you actually look, um, he's had a few secondary assists, a pass before the pass. And, and that's kind of something that he's building into his game now. And as a conversion project, I think he's been pretty successful. That said, um, Central midfield is still a work in progress, and so Donald gave a draw for an incomplete earlier, and I think that's that's about right, and that's where I'll go with this one. Yeah, I'm also going to go draw because uh, one, I want to give credit to Nick DeLeon because when we started the season, he was erratic. He was learning his new position, and, and it was times where it did not look good, but he settled into that role um, over the last couple months pretty well, I think. Um, I do think the creativity is lacking, and I think maybe getting Acosta the ball earlier um, and, and deeper to let him uh, play make a little bit further, a little bit further back, um, maybe that'll help with that creativity. Um, and I think the holes that we've had—I mean, keep in mind—we also, you know, if you think about it, um, uh, what's his say? Halsty, Marcus Halsty um, mm-hmm. was probably supposed to be that backup, and you know, he never saw the field, and he's now gone. Um, and I like that Jared Jeffrey's starting to come on. We're going to need that depth. Because I think where we had the most problems is when Marcelo was not in the lineup. And he, there's a couple times this season he's not been in the lineup due to yellow card suspension or red card suspension. I think those games are the ones that we exhibited completely terrible, not just marking on defense, but also 
possession wise um, and creativity, getting the ball up the field. So um, I'll go with incomplete there. Um, uh, I'll draw for for incomplete there. But I think right now, I think they're trending towards win because I think the pieces are now in place and they're more comfortable with each other. And I think Nick having settled into that role makes all the difference going forward. All right. Wide midfield is next. Uh, Lamar Nagel making a spot his own. Uh, Patrick Niarco came in very, very strong before going down six weeks ago or so for, I guess, longer than that because there was a break six games ago for uh, with a concussion. Chris Rolfe out even longer with a concussion. Um, Niarco seems to be the closer to returning, and we're all hoping Chris Chris Rolfe is able to um, get past concussions, but concussions are bad, man. They they suck. And so, you know, best wishes to to Chris and Patty, and I, hopefully they can play professional soccer again really soon. Um, Fabi has now joined Lamar Nagel on uh, out in wide midfield, moving from his forward spot. I kind of have him listed at, at both positions because he's played mostly forward this year and only recently moved out wide. <sighs> I don't know what to to give this, so so I'm going to throw it to you guys to to hash it out. Help me help me figure out what to give at wide midfield. Donald, why don't you start? Um, wow! Like the one thing that I was really excited about um, entering the season was Niarco's speed on the wings, um, and I think him pushing Nick into the center and him having that whole flank to himself was great. And there was a couple games, especially early against New England, um, that second I guess that second or third game of the year. Um, where his speed created havoc for uh, the opposing team's defense. And his dribbling ability. And his dribbling ability, exactly. Um, there, there, I mean, if you also think about it, like there's a couple times early in the season where we thought um, Miguel Aguilar would be uh, that guy as well. Um, he yeah. hasn't seen the field as much as we probably thought at the beginning of the season that he would have the potential to. Um, so I guess I'm going to give this a draw as well. Um, I think Nagel's been great. Um, he's, you know, he's played a couple games up top as well, but I think he's... Uh, found a home on the wing, um, and he's really helped us uh, with his play thus far, as well as his leadership, because he, he kind of has this cool, cool, calm demeanor out there that I really appreciate. Um, and so I think I'm going to go with a draw. Um, I think we can see a lot more, and I think that is because our two our fastest guy, I, in my opinion, is Niarco, and one of the guys that really puts it all together whenever he's on the field for us is Chris Roth, and they're both uh, sitting on the bench. So um, uh, hopefully if they get back, I think that will help boost our depth. But I think a lot of the problems of our midfield depth has been because of these injuries that we've had both in the center and on the wings. Jason? Uh, I'm going to go draw as well. Um, there are things to really like. Um, Niarco, when he's been available, has been, has been better than I expected. Um, he's offered just as much as a dribbling threat and a creative threat as I had hoped for, but the goals that he's brought have been, um, I mean, his career high as a goal scorer is four. And before the concussion, he was on track to score like nine goals this year. Yeah, um, a huge and, career high. And even, even you know, we're hearing, uh, I know Steve Goff wrote today that they're progressing towards him being back on the field pretty soon. Uh, Steven Streff has confirmed that sort of thing as well, that they're, you know, he's he's being consistently seen as making progress towards a return. Um, so he's still in line to break his career goal scoring record at 30 years old, um, which just doesn't happen very much. Um, so he's been really good. Uh, Nagel has been very good. He's deserved to be a starter, um, both in both the four, four, two and the, the four, one, four, one. 
We do um, have to give him credit, too, for being the reigning goal of the week holder. Yes, yes. And also he's adjusted to the fact that, that uh, Olsen has preferred in the last, really since Niarco went down, he's preferred him on the right instead mm-hmm. of on the left, which is a departure for him. He's mostly played on the left. Um, so he's adjusted to that really well. Um, Rob Vincent, uh, um, I remain convinced, can play at the MLS level, but I think he's going to need more time to figure it out. He's not finding the same pockets of space that he found in the USL. I think um, he might fit this system better than the four four two we had. Been yeah, playing. no, he definitely. Yeah, the, a five man midfield certainly frees him up to get a yeah. little closer to goal. Um, he's a lot but he's like still, Chris Pontius in that respect. Yeah, and, and he's very good at finding or he's very good once he finds space at shooting on goal from long distance. He just hasn't found that many looks this year because MLS defenses are smarter and they don't allow you that space. Um, Miguel Aguilar, I, I honestly, I hoped for more, um, this Mm -hmm. year than we've gotten. Um, and part of that is injury. Part of that is inconsistent time. Um, it's not all on him, but I thought we would see a little more progress and I would, I thought we would see him, playing more because you couldn't keep him off the field, essentially. I thought mm-hmm. he was going to push his way into the lineup more than he has. Um, so for me, for me, it's a draw. Um, De Leon, when he's had to play out there, has not really added very much. Um, no. Good possession play, but that's about it. Um, really playing that, that role a lot like he does in the middle, um, yeah. where it's about ball retention and it's not about creating anything. And in both systems, you've got to create something from that role. Mm-hmm. Um and now, you know, a spindle is out there. That's, you know, that's definitely a uh, a new wrinkle. And we'll see if he can actually really have an impact out there or if he's going to be sort of uncomfortable with that because this system requires someone out at left midfield. And it, the idea behind it was let's get our best attacking players all on the field at the same time. Um, and he is one of them. But if he can't play well from that position, then you've got to shift back to something else. Yeah, I think the key for Fabi will be whether he's locked in. In the last two games, he's looked committed and in like he's buying in to the idea of it. And and I think I talked about this last week when he was asked to play out wide and defer to Thierry Henry being up top when he was in his, his stint with the Red Bulls. He just he didn't seem to buy it. And now he he actually seems to, whether it's because he likes Sabo or because Ben Olsen is kind of gets him and can communicate with him better than, um, God, was that when Drunk Uncle? Was that Hans Baca that did that? Or was that? I think who, it was. That was yeah, uh, yeah. Up in New York, whether whether Ben Olsen's a better communicator than, <laughs> than, than Hans Baca. Um, I'm not sure why it is, but the last two games anyway, the early returns on this formation ship have been that, that Fabi is, is bought in there. And I think that puts it from, in, from a loss to a draw for me. And, and there are a lot of good things to like in the wide midfield, but the injuries, which are not at all anybody's fault, um, have been devastating. This was a position of depth in the beginning of the season. And now it, it is next to fullback our thinnest position on the roster. And that's a problem for me. Um, Cause I think you, you can escape with a little bit less depth at fullback. You can't get through a season being thin on the wings in MLS and with, with the amount of work they have to do. And, and right now United's very thin in that spot. So it's a draw for me, but only barely. 
Uh, let's go up top, forward. Fabi has played this position. Acosta has played this position in the four four two. Uh, in, in our new four, one, four, one, some people are calling it a four, three, three. Um, it's been Sabo and Kamara up there again, not a lot of depth. And Nagel's played up there. Before. And Nagel, Nagel's played up there, uh, but in both formations, in fact, um, this is another one where I, I'm not quite sure where I come down. Jason, huh? help me, help me out with my thinking here. Uh, I mean, this is a team that doesn't score a ton of goals. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you have to take the simple way, and I mean, um, there are things I like about it, but it ultimately, it's a loss. I mean, it's one of the weakest offenses in MLS, and it's not for lack of shot creation. They're they're actually, I think, ninth out of 20 right now, um, so they're mid-table uh, in terms of just creating shot, shot opportunities, um, but getting them on frame has been a problem. Um, getting those shots on frame to not be straight at the goalkeeper have been a problem. Um, we've seen Sabo have very good games, um, most recently at RFK, um, uh, in the, in the last win, but, um, we've also seen games where he is a non-factor and the offense dies as a result because the team is still trying to play through a target man. Um, Al-Haji Kamara has been a pleasant surprise, um, not just in the fact that he's been able to, um, make a difference in games, but also just the fact that he's been able to, uh, get fit enough to play. I mean, he was out of literally out of the game, unable to even so much as train in a professional setting for six months. Um, and, you know, in the Open Cup, he played 120 minutes after it was said, you know, he could probably play about an hour. Um, so that's been a pleasant surprise. But at the same time, um, I don't know that he necessarily fits the new formation. I don't know if he's going to be that great in a 4-1-4-1 unless United is trailing. Um, and they're sort of taking risks and, and getting numbers closer to him because I don't think he has that ability to bring other people into the play. Um, Nagel, when he's played up front, has done all right. I've been reasonably satisfied with him, but, you know, United needs him on the wing. So when he has to play up front, it's a problem somewhere else. It, it just moves the problem elsewhere. Um, so, so I've got to say a loss, and I want to see... I want to see uh, additions there. I want to see something change. And there are plenty. The thing that's great, um, and by the time people listen to this, the article might already be out. Uh, I'm thinking about writing an article on United's options in this department. And there are a lot of forwards out there that are not playing, that should be playing somewhere. There, you know, Maybe another team happens to have, you know, they've spent millions of dollars on a forward, so the next best forward on their roster isn't on the field. But it doesn't mean he's not starter quality it just means he's on the wrong team donald so this is this is how i see it the eye test i think is a loss um Mm -hmm. for a lot of the reasons that jason uh described the fact that as forwards their job is to put the ball in the net and there are times where they do not put themselves in position to do that one and two they don't actually shoot the rock um which is what you need to do to put the ball in the net. We can't pass it in every time. Um, so from the eye test perspective, like every single week, it seems like uh, that they're getting bogged down and trying to make the perfect pass or the perfect chip or whatever. And, or sometimes even when Fabi, you were talking about him being dialed in, um, there's been a couple of times when he's, we, he was up top where he yeah, played hero early in the ball. season. He was not, early season, he was play, he was not dialed in. <laughs> he was playing hero ball, trying to take on six defenders at once into the corner when he should be going straight at the goal. Um, and trying to put the ball on frame. 
Um, so on the eye but test, not from forty yards. Not from forty yards. Well, he <laughs> he would do that too. He would try some like chip yeah. shot from fifty yards. You're like, bro, what are you doing? Like, I can I can attempt that. It's not going to go in just like yours isn't. Um, <laughs> so the eye test, I'd say, is a loss. However, if you look at the stats, I'm looking at these stats and I see our our top five guys for goals: Sabario, Nagel, Niarco, Fabi, and Lucho. For assists, it's Lucho, Nagel, Sabario. Um, Chris Rolf and Patrick Niarco. So on the stat list, even though we're not scoring a lot of goals, it's our forwards that are getting it done um, for the most part. And, and even on, I, I know sometimes some of those goals came from them being in a withdrawn position, either in the midfield or, or withdrawn striker or what have you. Um, but those guys are paid to put balls in the net. And so far of the guys on our team, even though we're not scoring them often, they're the ones that are scoring them. So, um, for that, I give a win, which equals a draw overall. Um, I think there's a lot more to be desired in this department, and I think, yes, we should be looking at some options uh, to bolster our attack. Um, but when you look at where where people play and how they play, um, I think there's a lot to be desired in the department, especially of, you know, the old, the old adage is you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And there are times where we don't take any shots, um, and, and that is a big problem. Uh, going forward so if we if we can figure out a way to get these guys to shoot the ball in that and sometimes I don't care if it's the if it's shooting right at the keeper or, or you know shoot you know shooting just to shoot at least you know they're there but there's going to be opportunities where if we have these opportunities you know right close to the 18 or inside the 18 we can't sit around and keep passing to each other we got some of these guys need to be a little bit more selfish and take shots because it's the only way they're going to get in the net just like with wide midfield, this was between a loss and a draw for me. And, and Jason convinced me this is, this is a loss, I think, for at least at this position. We're thin and we're not getting enough from the position. Um, it's, I mean, in this new formation, there have been some promising moments. Sabo's through ball to Nagel being one of them. But, uh, it's, uh, it's been, it's been, a rough go for the forwards for United. So that's a loss for me. So in all, the total record is two wins, three draws and a loss. And strangely in that order, the further up the field you go, the worse United seems to get. Uh, so, so adding that up, that ends up being nine points from, from six positions, uh, 18 points possible. So point and a half per game would be pretty good. If United actually turned that on the field, well, and instead they have 1.23 points per game. Which, but still very fitting, given that we're talking about a team that is what uh, was it five, six, and five? Um, yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's one off. We're, we're, we're missing one there, um, aren't we? That's only sixteen. Uh, five, six, and six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So five, five, six, and six with a zero goal differential and solidly mid table in MLS. It's a very middle of the road team. No win. No winning streaks. No losing. No streaks. losing streaks. Yeah. The longest streak DC United has had of anything has been back-to-back ties, not even three ties in a row. Um, so, you know, it's about what you would expect. If we had seven positions, it would probably be two, three, and two. Yeah, and so that, that maybe maybe we're spot on, even if we erred on the side of being generous for United. But but that's where they are halfway through the season. They'll start the second half of the 2016 MLS season this Saturday in Chester, Pennsylvania, their second visit to the Keystone state this season. Uh, they'll play the union. And unlike the first time they, they went to, to Philly this year, uh, when the union were on a in right in the middle of a two month unbeaten streak this time, 
the the dupers are coming off of a loss and they've lost two of their last three so it's a very different kind of time to 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 be playing them uh jason is this a good time to be playing the union Mm, sort of um a big part of what's been happening for the union is that cj sapong has been injured he's missed up until this weekend he had missed three straight games with an ankle sprain um he came in as a sub this week, and the union broadcast team actually talked about uh, the fact that the union thought he might be ready this week, but they decided to play it cautious. Um, I'm taking that as reading between the lines. They're, they're saying we're playing at Houston versus a conference game against D.C., so we're going to withhold him for the one more week to make sure he's absolutely ready to go for the bigger game. Um, that's a big factor. You know, If you watch the game against the Dynamo for, for Philly, uh, without Sapong, um, without Fabian Herbers, uh, the, the rookie that they drafted who's also been injured and he is up in the air as he, whether he'll be able to play, they ended up with, they don't have any more forwards. Like that is their list of strikers, uh, is two guys. Um, uh, Sebastian Latou was also unavailable to fill in. So they ended up with Roland Alberg playing as a forward, uh, mm. which is not what he should be doing. No. Um, You'll notice they he didn't to score clever. any goals as a forward after scoring about 8,000 goals in two weeks as right. a midfielder. And and they were trying to be clever. They were trying to say, you know, rather than move Pontius up front and deal with the fact that he's not a natural forward, um, they thought, you know, on the road we'll add Warren Craval in defensive midfield, and then Tranquilo Barnetta moves up a level to a number 10 role, which he had played earlier in the season, and then Allberg plays up front as a, you know, a very, very, very false nine. Um, in the end, uh, that, that should have made them more fluid, um, having him out there with Barnetta, uh, Ilsenio being a, a guy that likes to dip inside from the right, um, Pontius, we know very well, can come into the middle from the left. It should have made them more fluid, but instead, because everyone was so unfamiliar with their relation to the next guy, they ended up being very, very predictable. Everyone stayed exactly where their line, their, their name would be written on the chalkboard. Um, there was not a lot of interesting movement it really was a bad performance from the union the fact that they only lost one nothing really is just down to the fact that the dynamo are bad um that they couldn't do more against that level of performance the bad news is that sapong came into the game um he came in in the 62nd minute um the union maybe could have used him a little earlier in the game because they they played really well for about 15 minutes after he came in and then they ran out of gas and they just couldn't do anything more because in houston it was like 95 degrees um, which is the advantage the Dynamo have forever because that's uh, that's how temperatures work. Um, so the Union immediately looked more comfortable with Sapong, and they held him out of that game so he could be ready to go for this one. So they're going to be better than they've been in about a month, in my opinion. That's what I expect is is a stronger Union team. Um, Allberg will move back into the number 10 role. Barnetta will move into the number eight role, even though Allberg wears number six and Barnetta wears number 10, uh, their roles will be flipped around slightly. Um, Brian Carroll probably gets the start alongside, uh, Barnetta in the engine room, but, um, they're definitely going to be better with Sapong healthy. Um, Latou is apparently he's got to pass one more test. He had a concussion. That's why he missed the game, but he's, um, if he gets through the concussion test, I think it's, there was a report from Philly where he's going through the heading testing tomorrow. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday. Um, so by the time you listen to this, he may be cleared to play. Um, Herbers, you know, 
I think they're trying to get him back, but they're not 100% sure. But the starting lineup is going to be in place for the Union, more or less. Um, and that's that's a problem because C.J. Sapong has been great this year for them. Uh, and, uh, and the Union are up in the standings for a reason. They, they haven't been that good of late, but they've been up there for a reason. I mean, even without Sapong, their, their last three games before the Houston game, the Union scored eight goals. Granted, four of those were against the Chicago Fire, but they, they yes. put two on the Whitecaps and two on the Red Bulls. Both All, all three games were, were at Talon Energy Stadium. So they had, in their home games, they haven't lost at home. They, they drew on May 11th to the Galaxy. Yeah. And uh, other than that, haven't lost at home all year. Right. In fact, they are undefeated at home at the moment, uh, at least glancing back on a quick look through their their schedule. So they've been really good at home, and they've been scoring goals at home. The last time I think they were held to less than two goals at home was the game against D.C. United in May. Right, but, you know, that was not... I mean, it was some a of that nice was with Sabong, to... some of it was without. Right, and that was a game where United did enough to hang on for a draw, but at the same time, if you go in there and you just want to hang on and that's it, you're it's probably not going to go that well. Now that... Uh, Allberg has come through as a section scoring threat, which is something DC didn't have to deal with uh, yeah, that true. time. Allberg, Allberg at that point, un- the Union were not 100% sure what to do with him. Um, they had kind of banked on the idea of Barnetta being their playmaker, and Barnetta is a good player, but he doesn't have the goal threat that Allberg brings. Um, so now United has to deal with a more complicated, in my opinion, a more complicated attack to, to defend against. Um, and on top of that, Union uh, Philly's defense has really had more time to gel. Um, they won't have Josh Yarrow, who got a red card. Right. Um, we'll talk about that because, a little more later. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, so he's not going to be there. So um, they will have to make a change. But they've been basically, I think Yarrow and uh, Yarrow's played like thirty-five percent of the games this season, and um, Ken Tribbett has played the other sixty-five uh, percent as a center back. So. That's not a change. They're, you know, they're not going to be thrown off by that change at all. Um, yeah, it's a it's a really good team front to back, or I shouldn't say really good. They're a solid team front to back, and in this year's Eastern Conference, that means they are the best or second best team in the East, depending on what day it is. So, um, United can't go in there and expect a lucky win. They can't play like they did at RSL. They have to improve from from that point. Um, they've got to be smart. They've got to learn more about their defensive structure and they do need more going forward. They need something to keep the union pinned back a little bit because that's how you, that's really the best way to keep them off of you is to actually give them something to worry about going the other way. So just like the, the union's offense still seem to be working without CJ Sapong, their defense has been good enough to get them through a lot of games, but the last time they got a shutout was against DC United uh, back in May, and they've only had two other clean sheets all year. They are a team that likes to be in a shootout, uh, at least when you look at their score lines through through the season. Uh, 13 goals allowed in their last six games, for instance. So is this a game, you think, where, where DC United needs to take the air out of the ball, try to actually p- play possession, uh, or will being direct work... Um, which is what they ended up doing against RSL when they did get the ball because we couldn't get it out of our defense otherwise. Um, or is this a game like New England where we can, you know, play a little more, I hate the, the word in this context, but a little more stylishly um, against the Union? 
Uh, I think I think they're going to be forced uh, to be a little direct because they like to press. They don't high press like the Red Bulls or Sporting Kansas City, but they definitely don't uh, sit back, especially when Sapong plays. That's actually one of the major things that changed about them is that without Sapong, they weren't as enthusiastic about high pressing because their their sole forward wasn't enthusiastically jumping forward to lead that press. Uh, Sapong loves to go high press, and when he does it, the Union follow. Um, which is how it's supposed to work. So United is going to be pressed. Um, they're not going to have a lot of time on the ball in the back, which kind of indicates uh, pretty strongly with this team that they're going to be play- be playing direct. Um, but there are angles and there are opportunities there that, that could let that pan out. Uh, Fabinho struggled quite a bit with Giles Barnes. Um, the, the Dynamo weren't able to put good crosses in. They put in a ton of crosses. And if you look at their key passing map, most of them happened out on Philly's left-hand side. So if you're playing direct and you're getting Lamar Nagel into that space, I think there's something there. Uh, But the Union are going to be pretty aware of that. They're probably going to want just long balls forward uh, towards Sabo. Um, So, you know, those two players uh, really become important in in that case. But you also, you know... I think the union are the kind of team where if you if you break their press a couple times early, you kind of give a statement to them that you sh- you know don't do this; it's a bad idea. And if you can do it early, all of a sudden you know their Sapong gets the instruction from the bench to maybe hang back a little bit more, and then you have the room to play. But it, you know it all comes down to those first few minutes where you you settle into the rhythm of the game, and and United really needs to make sure that they control that rather than having it dictated to them by union you know if the union just press them and they're like fine we'll go along uh, that said that sets a pattern that's going to hold and it held against the union last time we played them so um those first few minutes i think are going to be big you've got to watch out for that uh you know whether you know if united can get out of the pressure if they can avoid having boswell on the ball when sapong goes really high press um that's going to be key all right, so you mentioned Josh Yarrow missing this game. He got two yellow cards against Houston, and, and it's not even an appealable red card. I know some right. Philly fans were, were pretty convinced that both yellows were soft, especially the second one for him. Well, for the record, the first one was not soft. He kicked a guy in the stomach. Um, <laughs> the first one was not soft. Wait, the second wait, one, absolutely. That's soft, man. Like, maybe he should toughen up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the I, the I second know. one was a dive. Yeah, the second yeah, one, the second wasn't one was ridiculous. Yeah. He got he 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 got the fuzzy end of the lollipop on that one, but uh, he he'll be out for this one nonetheless because it was not a case of mistaken identity, which is the only way to appeal a yellow card. Um, and since the red card came from a yellow card, that's the avenue you would have to take. And so he's gone for this one. Uh, Jason, how does that change the way their defense is going to play their back line? Does it force them to to change their approach at all? Uh, a little bit. It actually makes it a little harder for them to press because Ken Tribbett isn't as fast as Josh Yarrow. Pretty much, pretty few center backs in MLS are as fast as Josh Yarrow. Um, and when you high press, it leaves a lot of room behind you, which means that extra speed comes in handy. Uh, Tribbett is better in the air than Yarrow. Um, he is more physically strong than Yarrow, and uh, he's he's, in my opinion, at least at this stage in his career, he's he's faster of thought. I think he's kind of hit his ceiling, whereas Yarrow will continue to grow. Um, but right now, at least, um, Tribbett figures out the game a little faster. He relies less on his speed to bail him out because he just, it's not there. He's not slow, but he's not fast. Um, so 
it might the fact that he's in may force the union to be a little more cautious about when they high press but at home they've been willing to take that risk um it helps that richie marquez uh the other center back is pretty quick and he makes up a lot of ground there he um in this setup he'll end up dropping back behind tribit a lot of times uh to cover the space when if when and if united tries to get in behind um there is the familiarity factor. Um, Yarrow plays on on the, the he's the right center back, uh, so he plays next to Keegan Rosenberry, who also they both went to Georgetown. They were both three, I want to say three year starters at Georgetown. Um, so not having you know Tribbett has played some games alongside Rosenberry, but it's not the same as playing uh, for a fourth straight season alongside the same guy. Um, so the familiarity factor is 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 there, and you might catch. Rosenberry and Tribbett a little far apart, but um, but it, you know these are all issues at the edges. Um, and if United can't force them to reconsider the high press, then it it'll become a lot less of a factor, I think, as the game goes on. Because if you end up having to play long through the air, then you're playing right into Tribbett's hands. Um, so all in all, I think United can expose some issue there, but. You know, Tribbett has started more than Yarrow this season for a reason. He's been really, really good, especially given that his background was he was undrafted. He got signed by their USL affiliate um, before the Bethlehem Steel were created. They, he played a year in Harrisburg. They then brought him into preseason thinking he would be a Bethlehem Steel center back for the season. And within two weeks, we're like, actually, you're going to play for the union now. Um, and you're going to be first choice for most of the year. So um, he's he's been very good. Um, he doesn't have the reputation Yarrow has because we don't have four years of watching him contend for College Cup uh, before that. But uh, ultimately, it's down to United breaking that pressure early, and then all of a sudden you might get a little bit of, hey, Tribbett's not so fast. Um, but if that doesn't happen, then it'll be more about, hey, Tribbett's really good in the air and he's winning a lot of headers. So um, it all, a lot of it, a lot of this game comes down to those first few minutes where United can you know, make a statement or they can have the statement made at them. Donald, what do you want to see DC do better in this game than they did the first visit up to Chester? So these games for me are always like, it always seems like it's a a bogged down affair. Like no team really has the edge on each other, like speed wise that, you know, Philly, you know, they have a couple of, uh, faster players than they did last year, but they're not going after us. They're not sending people, you know, down the flanks like, you know, RSL did at times um, on the counter. Um, they're more of a possession type team. They want to kind of work their way down the field and we kind of do the same thing. Um, and so it makes sometimes for, I don't want to say the word boring, but it makes for a game that you're, you know, is getting out. K- there's a go. That's a good word. Um, so I, I don't know what to expect, what, how to, combat that because i think that it still kind of even though like we we lost at the death last time it still kind of plays into our hands because you know this time around we we have bill behind goal we we don't have travis war who who performed brilliantly that game and and really that goal um at the end wasn't his fault um it was just a, a defensive breakdown at the worst possible time but i think with that confidence i think that means that maybe we can press a little bit more maybe we can send our guys out a little bit wider, a little bit, a little bit deeper, um, knowing that with a Bill Hamid save or, or, or something where he stops, um, where our defense stops a uh, an attack op- opportunity for Philly, that we can go ahead and quickly break out 
of that and kind of get some creativity, get a little bit more open space um, for our guys to uh, work with. Um, that's something that was missing uh, back in May. We kind of had this. It, it almost looked like almost looked like like middle school soccer where everybody's in the middle and kind of kicking the ball around and the ball's not really going anywhere and nobody's really moving. Um, but that was on both sides. It wasn't just United. It was it, the Union kind of were doing that too. I think maybe with uh, a more confident defense um, that we had in May. Um, I, I think a more confident defense now maybe allows us to open up a little bit more. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that works, though. It's going to be—I mean, it's—it's going to be hot and muggy. Like I think the the highest schedule would be like ninety-four and and with high humidity. Um, and with and that, for once, we'll be in the lighter colored jerseys. For yeah, for, <laughs> I mean, that's the, one of the few teams that we go and we have to wear white. Um, but so maybe that plays to our advantage. But I, I think at the start initially, it's a seven o'clock game, so it's going to be still really hot. Really, really muggy. I think that game is going to bog down a little bit. And I think as the sun goes down and that breeze comes in off the river, hopefully that means that our guys can be, you know, have the legs to open up a little bit more, especially going from defense to offense, not necessarily on the counter, but just kind of opening up so they can have more of a field to uh, to flow out on. All right. And on that note, we're going to call it a show. Thank you all for listening. Uh, find us on blackandredunited.com. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu or at blackandredu. Uh, we also have all our personal accounts, which I'm sure you'll find retweeted on on one or another. Um, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. Mostly, though, when you're on the bus up to Philly, tell a friend about the show. Uh, or if you're watching in a bar, tell a friend about the show. We really appreciate that. So for Jason and Donald, I'm Adam. Thank you again. Say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason.